So what they discipli and so what they omnes. Welcome again to another episode of Latin in Layman's. Um, for today, I've got a little bit of a funner one, at least in my opinion, because I had one of my coworkers, one of my homie G's, Mr. Brown, the science teacher, uh, just such a great individual. He really is like, it goes above and beyond for the people around him as well as his students. And um, we had talked a lot about doing cross-curricular stuff last year. And now he's he wants to, you know, make that happen, actually make it come to fruition, if you will. Um, so we are kind of just throwing terms one to the other because, well, with Latin, what I like to do is I like to just take a lot of terminology from other classes, bridge it into Latin so that I feel like if I see or if students see um, a discipline, a term, uh, a concept relayed in one class and then another, then again relayed in another class and then maybe relayed again in another class, you know, that's when the neural networks kind of come together. That's when the pit, bits and pieces kind of um, you know, find their place. That's when Tetris uh, finds all those blocks and all of those perfect ways, shapes, and forms. And then poof, 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 poof. And I don't know, I'm just kind of rambling, but like that's when all the, 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 the learning process happens, in my opinion. Repetition is what helps ingrain it. And that's what I'm trying to always do is to try and ingrain these concepts into our brain without actually having to um, you know, deliberately try and memorize these things because people don't really, you know, it's harder to like sit down and like, you know, delegate uh, to the task of memorization in general. But if you just kind of see these things over and over and over and over again, my hope is that they just accidentally kind of get imprinted into your brain and then they become easier for retrieval later on for maybe a test or maybe you're at a cocktail party and you want to dazzle people and talk about really the difference between bias versus centripetal acceleration or acceleration and pit that against what average speed is in all, um, you know, relative, you know, talk of I don't know, physical science, because that's what we're going to be doing today. We're going to be talking about a lot of these science terms like acceleration, um, some centripetal act, acceleration rather, distance, motion, uh, recall bias, uh, time, speed, reference, direction, reference, point, vector, unit, time. So if you're curious, you want to learn a little bit more and you want to understand why Latin is actually embedded with all within all of these terms, then please stick with me. I might may even, you know, have my students listen to this podcast episode just on maybe like a Friday since we do for a half days on Fridays and I have shorter periods of time to get through my material. And a lot of the time I just like to entertain funner aspects of Latin or things that kind of just like bridge over from Latin into other disciplines. So if you're curious, like I said, would really appreciate you sticking on with me. And, you know, maybe you do learn something new and then maybe your soul might be moved to throw some rating down for your boy here, either on Spotify, Apple podcast, wherever you're listening to this right now. I'm sure you could find a way to at least give me either a one through five star, hoping that I don't really deserve a one star. But hey, you know what? You're the master of your own universe. You can say and or give me any rating 
uh, you think I deserve. And I'm sh- I will be very willing and uh, receptive to that. But if it is a one, please tell me why it's a one so that I can make myself better or I can help entertain uh, that of which I'm not entertaining. Anyways, let's get on into it. And uh, yeah, you know, let's learn some stuff about just these science terms. And uh, yeah. Alrighty, so getting into our first term here, we're going to start with, off with acceleration. So we're going to talk about really the definition of acceleration, and then I'm going to dive into the etymology, whether it comes from Latin, whether it comes from Greek, and then I'll expound on it just a little bit more to give you guys a little bit more information. So in the bare roots and essentials, acceleration is just the change in velocity over time, V over T, right? A equals V over T. Acceleration the term acceleration comes from the Latin word acceleratio, acceleratio. A little bit different. Those C's, remember, are hard C's. They're pronounced as K's. So that's why acceleratio. Um, and if I'm pronouncing that wrong for my other class assistant linguists out there, you know me and I've touted it many a time. I don't really, uh, you know, bother in Latin with pronunciation as much as just understanding uh, the nitty gritty details, in my opinion. So I don't bog myself down with the pronunciation. If you guys are, you know, cringing at my pronunciation, that's okay, because I don't really worry about it. I'm not like other Latin teachers, as most Latin teachers do know that I've worked with in the past. Um, I definitely treat Latin in a different, more holistic way, and I think that that should be more addressed because I think that all too often we think about Latin teachers as uh, if you've ever seen Dead Poet Society, um, you feel like they, you know, love that movie. It does really, really um, some injustice to Latin teachers because man, is that. Uh, the scene showing the Latin teacher just droning on monotonously about declensions and conjugations and uh, weny weedy weeky and blah 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 and Scott uh, because weny weedy weeky is actually veni vili vici, all right. So if you didn't know, that's how the tr- the pronunciation changes dependent on whether you're in classical Latin versus more modernized Latin slash Italian. The concept of acceleration, going back to that is the rate of change over velocity uh, rate uh, the rate of change of velocity over time sorry um, which was formulated in the context of classical mechanics by Isaac Newton right back in that enlightenment period about you know questioning the nature of the world why did the apple fall from the tree what is gravity what are these laws that kind of keep us tied to this world Newton's second law of motion relates force to acceleration and mass, providing a foundational understanding of how objects really change their motion when subjected to forces, essentially. So there you go with acceleration coming from the Latin acceleratio, meaning a hastening. Okay, and that's what you're really doing, right? When you accelerate, you hasten, you speed up. You're not just going at that constant speed, that velocity. Uh, that we will get into as to what that really means. Average speed, which refers to the total distance traveled by an object divided by the total time it took the object to travel that distance. Um, Well, speed itself originates from really the old English speed, but it's spelled S-P-E-D, like sped, with a macron over that E, making it a long 
E, right? So that would be speed, meaning success, prosperity, or good fortune in that old English. So I, I find that a very interesting one. The concept of average speed has been used for centuries, but its formalization as the mathematical concept likely emerged as a part of the de development of classical mechanics. Um, during during the Renaissance, you know, when all of these guys are questioning the nature of the world, building on the works of the scientists like Galileo and Kepler, for instance. So there you go with that one. Success, prosperity, prosperity good fortune. I think speed is really just kind of, um, you know, highlighting all of those because the Renaissance period was an age of enlightenment, an age of prosperity where we started to cut up the human body. We didn't consider the human body to be just this, this vessel that we couldn't desecrate. Um, because it would in turn take that person away from the kingdom of heaven. That's why we did not um, ever dissect human bodies before that, because before the, the Renaissance period, Anna means up, Tomi means cutting, anatomy just means cutting up, and in this case, the human body. I know this isn't really a part of what I was going off of, but like I just wanted to reiterate because the Renaissance is the questioning, the whys, the what's going on. There's so much more in this world. In a way, we're doing that with Latin right now. We're understanding that it's not just this dead language. We're peeling it apart. We're asking why we would think that and why would we still actually entertain stunning Latin now if we all call it a dead language, right? Think about these things. I don't just teach a language just for the sake of teaching it just because I have a job. I mean, maybe I do, but also uh, my job doesn't really pay all too well, as you guys know, as teachers. Um, so, you know, like if you can say, why would you be teaching a, a, a dead language for a thankless job that doesn't really pay you that well? Well, you know what? I think that there's a little bit more to it, in my opinion, at least in my my the passion that I have for it. Again, like I say, this teaching isn't forever for me. It's just it's a thankless job. People know this. It's I'm I, you know, and maybe some of my students hear this. Yeah, you know, like Mr. Connerly, my plan is not to be a middle school, high school Latin teacher for the rest of my life. I have bigger goals and bigger aspirations. And to be honest, you know, I love teaching, but unfortunately, teachers are service oriented. And uh, a lot of the time, you, uh, the administration or the people in the higher ups tend to exploit that good nature in teachers. And that's why we're kind of seeing a mass exodus of teachers in our field leaving is because they are continually uh, thrown to the grinder and they're just being thrown more and more and more and more to do um, because they can't afford to buy uh, to, you know, have other teachers help out or whatever. You know, it's just, hey. I love teaching. I love Latin. It's a thankless job. And I'll say it time and time again, because it is. And I do it because I love it. And because I love Latin and because I love changing the minds of people and or at least having them think about things in a little bit of a different way. Next term that we're going to have is bias, which is a leaning in one direction or another away from the truth due to an error in design, measurement, or analysis. Bias has its origins in an old French word, bias, uh, spelled B-A-I-A-I-S, meaning a slant or a slope. Okay. 
So when you are on a slant or a slope, you're inclined in one direction or another, aka involved to connote connote, um, a particular inclination or prejudice. However, in the scientific context, the term likely gained prominence with the rise of experimental methodologies and the recognition um, of errors um, of influence that uh, could skew results, essentially. So there you go. Bias comes from the old French word that really just refers to a slant or slope, referring to an inclination. You can be inclined in one way or another. Centripetal force. In centripetal acceleration, more moreover, aka anything moving in circular motion. Centripetal acceleration, centripetal itself comes from the Latin word centrum, meaning center, and petere, meaning to seek or to strive. So centripetal together, assimilated, put together, A plus B equals to strive or to seek for the center. And that's what's happening right now. Centripetal force situates that force to where like if you... For instance, we're uh, you know turning a water bottle and uh, rotating it, and you had it filled with water. Maybe you realized that even if you had that water bottle's cap open and you had maintained a proper amount of circular rotation and motion, um, you would recognize that that water itself is going to find itself planted to the backside of that water bottle. Aka, it's even though it comes to a point where it actually looks like it may all fall out of the water bottle at the at the top at the apex of that um, center or that turning of it doesn't fall out because it has that force that kind of plants it to the outside right the concept of centripetal acceleration was developed as a part of the study of circular motion and orbits and then it was formalized in the works of Johannes Kepler and Isaac Newton, who showed that force directed towards the center of a circle, aka centripetal force, is required to keep an object in uniform circular motion. Right? There you go. If you didn't know, now you know. Distance refers to how far something has traveled. Distance originates from the Latin word distantia, or distant, or it actually is distantia, um, or distantia, meaning a standing apart. Hey. What is a distance? It's two points that are apart. One, uh, think about like a point A, point B, and then there's a line that connects point A to point B, and that A and B are standing apart from one another, creating a distance. The concept of measuring distance has or ancient roots going back to humans' need to navigate and really understand their surroundings, right? That's where geometry comes from. Geo meaning earth, metry referring to measurement or length. Geology refers to the measurement of the earth and the study of essentially, right? You're trying to suss out the world through angles, shapes, patterns, all that good stuff. Angles, if I didn't already mention that. Early civilizations developed various units of measurement for distance, which eventually contributed to the modern metric and imperial systems. So there you go. If you didn't know, now you know. Alrighty, next one we're going to do is we're going to do a threefer here. We're going to do experimental design, experimental error, and then measurement error. Experimental design error refers to the design of the experiment, um, which means the results which are biased in some way, shape, or form. Um, experimental error refers to procedures were not followed correctly, and measurement error refers to inaccurate tools used to measure those results. So the idea of experimental error 
and mistakes and measurements has been present since the earliest scientific investigations. X means out of, peri means around, ment comes from mens mentis, which means mind. So it means uh, out and around or outside and around the mind, essentially. So maybe experimental just refers to, well, it's outside, it's being relayed through the mind, but it's kind of around. It's kind of, in a way, out of plus around plus mind kind of makes me think of thought, thinking, right? Because thought is kind of circulating around in your mind. It kind of stays there, it percolates, if you guys have remembered when I used that word. Um, and so there you go. So that's where experiment comes from. And if you didn't know, now you know. And moreover, it does refer back to a Latin word experimentum, uh, which is a participial form um, of uh, experience. It's a, I, I believe that's a fourth conjugation verb, which means uh, a trying essentially. So that's what experiment really. So from the Greek where it just means, means outside and around the mind translated into the Latin experimentum really referring to a trying. And that's what an experiment is. You just try it. It's, it's an experiment, right? If you didn't know, now you know. You're just trying something out. You're seeing if it works. It's hypothetical. All right. As the scientific method and experimental practices evolved, these concept gain, concepts rather gained clear definitions and became central to the process of refining experimental techniques and enhancing the accuracy of scientific results. Next one is motion. Motion, when an object changes motion over time relative to a reference point or a reference direction. Motion itself traces its roots to the Latin word motio, meaning a moving. The study of motion dates back to ancient Greek with philosophers like Aristotle pondering the nature of motion. However, it was Galileo again, right? This Renaissance period, the Enlightenment period, and later Isaac Newton who laid the groundwork for a systematic understanding of motion and its relationship to forces. Next one, procedure which is a step-by-step -step description of how to conduct an experiment, an experimentum, a trying. Procedure comes from the Latin word procedere, which means to go forward. Cadere means to essentially lead or to go, and then pro means forth or before or forward. So assimilated together, pro plus cadere means to go forward. In the context of scientific experimentation, scientific trying, the term gained prominence with the development of formalized scientific methodologies, particularly during that Renaissance period and enlightenment thereafter, as I've talked about. These all are historically based, right? This is when we as humans challenge the nature of the world and didn't just say, you know what, it is what it is, and we're going to leave it at that, right? We wanted to know more. We always want to know more. That's why I'm trying to learn more about the human mind right now. I've been doing a lot of um, reading and, and studies into neuroscience because of how amazing the human mind is, and yet we barely know and have scratched the surface as to what's going on in those neural networks that we so much want to understand, right? We still don't know why we have to sleep, but man, do we need it or else we're going to die. 
man, I know when I don't have sleep or really adequate sleep, I feel like death. And I'm sure you do too. Next ones, we have qualitative observation and quantitative observation. Qualitative referring to descriptions of physical properties and does not include numbers versus quantitative refers to descriptions of physical properties and can be measured or calculated accurately using numbers. So qualitative or quantitative observation. The term qualitative and quantitative derive from the Latin words qualitas, which means quality, and quantitas, which means quantity, right? So it's either the measuring of the quality of something, the physical properties essentially, right? The qualitative versus quantity, right? When you have a quantity, you have a numerous amount of something, right? The distinction between qualitative and quantitative observations became more significant as scientific methodologies developed and researchers sought to really characterize and measure natural phenomena more precisely through these experimental um, actions, right? So, and then observation, observation really comes from the two assimilated words ob plus serware ob meaning kind of against or up against right plus serware means to save and then the action of the t-i-o-n so the action of saving saving against right which is an interesting thing to to suss out what observation means when you break it down in in its bits and pieces but Coming from the Latin, really, we get the observare, um, which means to watch over, to note, to heed, to look at, to guard, to regard, to comply with. I see how a lot of these words can have a lot of, um, you know, nuances, a lot of synonyms that really just refer back to essentially what it means. And I'm going to double back here real quickly because I said ob really refers to against, but it can also, in this case, maybe more so refer to an um, being in front of and or before. So in this case, if you put them to both together, it really means to, serware means to keep safe, to watch, to save, to save before, um, essentially meaning to, to protect, right? You're being proactive. You're, you're protecting when you observe, um, which is interesting. If you didn't know, now you know. Next one that we're going to get into here is recall bias. So recall bias, the concept of recall bias is rooted in the field of epidemiology um, and the uh, social sciences. It acknowledges the human memory um, and how it's fallible and influenced by various factors leading to inaccurate recollections. Um, the formal recognition of recall bias is research methodologies um, in research methodologies rather likely emerged as researchers began to investigate the reliability of self-reported data. Um, next one here, which are uh, we're going to do a two for, for, and I'm just doing a one-off. I'm just going off. I have um, let's see. I'm going to count here real quickly. I have one. Well, this twofer plus one plus one plus one plus one. So I basically have five more left that we're going to get into here. So 
um, stick with me. I hope you guys are learning some good stuff. And if maybe if you need to take a break, take a break. I'm not going to make this into a three hour Oppenheimer uh, long uh, movie or anything like that. So we don't need an intermission by any means. So let's get on into it with reference direction and reference point. Reference direction refers to where you are relative to a reference point. Ha ha ha. And then a refer reference point is an object that appears to stay in place. Reference comes from the Latin assimilate, well, actually Greek and Latin. So re means back or again, and ferens coming from ferro, ferrare, which means to care and or, carry and or bear. This is where we also get circumference, circum meaning center. Uh, or around, and then ferrance meaning to bear or to carry. The circumference is what's carried around, and in this case, a circle. Reference, however, is carried back, right? Reference direction. It's almost like report, right? Re means back. Porto, portare means to carry. Uh, again, they are really similar in nature. They just have a little bit slight nuanced differences in their definition. So these terms relate to the broader field of spatial reference and orientation. The, the understanding of reference points and directions has cultural, navigational, and scientific significance throughout history, with de developments ranging from ancient navigation techniques to modern Cartesian co coordinate systems. The modern, modern Cartesian coordinate system, or a Cartesian plane, is a graph. So if you didn't know now, you know that's when you're looking at some graph paper and you create the Cartesian plane. You've got your X and Y coordinates, and then you plot. And then you get your slope and skip it and bop. And then if you're doing derivatives and calculus, then you're finding one point, uh, um, you know, at that curve, right? Um, and so on and so forth. Won't get into it more so. Um, and then, uh, yeah. Next one we have here, well, we already talked about speed, but we talked about average speed. So let's just talk about speed itself. So average speed referred to, just to reiterate, the total distance traveled by an object divided by the total time it took the object to travel that distance, whereas speed is the rate at which something changes its position. So as mentioned earlier, speed has its roots in the old English word speed, spelled speed. <laughs> S-P-E-D with a macron over that E, making it a long E, conveying the idea of swiftness or success, right? Remember, speed refers to prosperity or success, the formalization of speed as a measurable quality, and the recognition of its relationship to distance and time became integral to the development of kinematics. Uh, that's where we get uh, kinesis in the Greek meaning motion. And uh, it's also where we get classical mechanics as well. Next one, time. Time, how long something takes, essentially. That's in its bare roots essentials. Time is a concept deeply ingrained in human cultural culture and language. Its measurements and understanding have evolved across civilizations with advancements in timekeeping devices and the development of precise methods for measuring time intervals, culminating in the modern concept of time as fundamental di dimension, essentially. So there we go. Time is relative. Time surrounds us all the time. Lots of time, 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 time. You got lots of time. Maybe you don't have a lot of time. Maybe you got 
just a little bit of time and well we uh, we had just a little bit of time left in this one my voice is getting a little weird here so i gotta do a <clears throat> weird next one unit which describes what is being measured aka meter second gram kilometer millimeter we'll get into those the concept of measurement units um, have evolved over the millennia, which, um, or rather with various cultures developing their own systems, right? We have the linear versus the empirical, um, you know, we, we know that the, the empirical is just kind of like a, we're trying to do a, a big F you to our, the people that used to have, a basic ownership over us, AKA the, the UK. So we didn't want to do the, uh, we didn't want to copy them at all. We wanted to make our own thing. We wanted to be our own people. Uh, so, yeah, we came up with the empirical system, which has proven to be way, way, way less um, efficient than the uh, linear. So there you go. Or the metric, rather. Modern scientific measurements or measurement units such as the metric system, however, have their roots in the Renaissance and Enlightenment periods when efforts to standardize measurements uh, gained traction. Last one that we're going to talk about, and then we're going to leave it off or leave it done, vector. A vector is a measurement that includes a magnitude, aka a number, and a direction. Vector comes from the Latin word vehere, uh, meaning to carry. Another carrying word, right? We have vehere. This is also where we get vehement, um, oddly enough. Uh, so we have vehere. We have porto portare, which means to carry. We also have ferro ferrere, which also means to carry or to bear. Um, hmm. The concept of vectors as qualities with both magnitude and direction became increasingly important in the development of physics, mathematics, and engineering with contributions from notable figures like Euclid, Descartes, or Descartes, and um, Hamilton. So if you didn't know, now you know. If you did learn something new, and if I got you to this point, would really appreciate it. If your soul is moved to do so, leave me some love, a rating of some type. If you go to Apple Podcasts, you can leave a little bit of a blurb. I've had people reach out to me through there. I really like hearing from you guys, whether it be from prior students of mine, or just random people that, you know, hit me up, email me, liamconnerly at gmail.com or latinandlaymans at gmail.com, where I start to, I compile questions that I'll get trickling in from time to time. And that's when I will kind of lump them together and create a Q&A. So if you have questions, whether it be personal, whether it be professional oriented, whether it be just who I am, what's going on, my thoughts on the world, I have had fairly controversial questions in the past, you know, in general, I just want to hear from y'all. I would love to. Don't be scared. I promise I don't bite. And I love to shout y'all out. So with that being said, I'm going to leave it there. And I think we need to just take one moment to remember to reflect and thank a part of our body because our body carries us through this life. And it's this vessel that sometimes we forget that it really, you know, takes a lot of uh, a beating. You know, this past week for me, I was pretty exhausted by the end of this week. Um, and uh, sometimes I, 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 I forget that I need to just take some time for myself. 
I'm typically a type A kind of guy where I just kind of go, 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 go. And sometimes I make the mistake of, you know, forgetting until my body forces me to kind of take a break. So I'm trying to get better at that. But it's always a constant battle for me. That being said, I hope you guys have a wonderful day. And remember to thank yourself. Maybe just one part of it. Today, I'm going to thank my hands because they ground me to this world. They ground me to the things that I hold. In fact, I'm going to bend over. I can ground myself to the world, right? Because my feet are already planted to this world. I can plant my hands down as well. I feel like we don't use our hands as much as we used to back in the day. And our hands are so amazing. They're so dexterous. They're so important. I'm just looking at them right now. And, you know, they go every which way in shape and form. And if you guys remember that I did a physiological or etymology on the physiology of like, you know, a lot of the, the movements of the hands and um, forearm and all that good stuff. And well, I'll leave it there. That being said, I hope you guys have a great day. And until next time, Tempo Sest to Skelleray.